Hello, and thank you for joining us on our Fort Road Victory Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or get connected, please head to our website at frvc.ca. Now on with the sermon. Okay, this is our third message, our final message in our giving series, but it's part two of the, um, it's a thought that counts, and I'm going to try and move really quickly because I took a long time last week, um, I heard from the team. Anyways, remember this, our primary mission in life is to reflect the image of God, yes, okay, which affects the world. That's how we're going to affect the world, is we reflect the image of Christ. The Christ-likeness in us is reflected, which then transforms other people around us and says, what's going on with you? I want what you have, okay? So whether you're in hospitality, whether you've got your own business, whether you work for somebody or in healthcare, we need to show that Christ-likeness. That is our mission. That's why, if you're trying to find out what your purpose is, that's what your purpose is. Now, find it out within whatever you're doing to do what that mission is. Okay, so it's to display that outward characteristic in action. What we do, what we say. But then, here's the thing. What we do or what we say begins with what we think, right? Part two. I'm going to show you why why these two trees are behind me. What happens in our mind, okay? So we have to understand that because it's important. If you don't get this understanding that this mission is the mission that you have from the day you were born to the day you die, it is a mission to express the image of God, the Christ-likeness in us to this world. Otherwise, you are going to focus on yourself for this 80 to 100 years all about yourself. Forget the eternal perspective because all you're worried about is do I, will I live a successful life whether it's 80 to 100 years, 110, I don't know, right? Our eternal perspective goes beyond that. It's the people following us, generations after us, that we are concerned about, that we are leading to, into eternity as well. So everything starts with what we think in every area. Now, this, the giving series that we started was focusing a lot on what, what we're thinking because we have to change that mindset, that mindset that, you know what, you know, I, I can't give. I, I, I've given already. I, God himself has already taught us that he is the author of generosity. Amen? John 3.16. Do we believe that? God gave. For he loved, he gave. Out of that love, he gave. So in us, if we are the image of Christ, out of this love, we give. Out of this love, we have to. It's just part of the nature that's in us. And we have to understand this. Okay? So here's the problem. The problem is that we read that and think, oh, but I'm not God. Who's ever said that? But I'm not God. Who's ever said that? But I'm not God. Right? We've said it all the time. Okay? Or God did it once. So either I can't do that or I, I, I can possibly do it once in my life. But here's the thing. God continues to give constantly and faithfully in spite of our reluctance, in spite of our stinginess, in, sp- in spite of our, well, you know, I've got something else that I want to sow into, I can't give. Doesn't he? He continues to give in spite of every excuse that you come up with, he will continue to give to you. So what is it that we're trying to learn in this series? You know what it is, really? Because here's the thing, real givers are content because they know that stuff won't make them happy. They recognize that they have enough for themselves and enough to share. When you realize that you have enough already, there's, it's, it's not a problem to share. But when you come into life thinking, well, I just don't have enough, that mindset now comes with, well, I can't do this. 
It comes with the belief that, well, you know, I never got it, so why should I give? See how mindset just com compiles all these thoughts and beliefs into one thing, and now you begin to live your life according to this set of mindsets, perceptions, things that have happened in your life, and they become ingrained in your thought pattern, right? So here's the thing. Contentment isn't a destination. It's a lifestyle. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul was trying to get us to a place when, when we read all of his letters? Get to a place where you're content. Whether you have everything or whether you don't, you're at a place of contentment. That's what we're trying to achieve so that it doesn't matter. We're not looking for an actual figure in your bank account. We're looking to get that, that place where I'm content. This is where I'm at, but I'm content, and I can give still. And everybody said amen? Right? I'm going to give you an illustration right now. Because, again, everything goes back to your mind. Everything goes back to how you think. Everything goes back to your identity of who you are. If you're sitting next to somebody, one person's going to ask this question. The other person's just going to answer. If you're going to ask the question, choose that between the two of you that's sitting next to each other. This is your question. Who are you? The other person is just going to answer that question. Every time they give you an answer, you ask the question again. Who are you? They give you another answer. For 30 seconds, I want you to try this, this little exercise, okay? Ready? I'm going to start timing you in about five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Ask the question, get an answer. Ask the question again, get an answer. Come on, everybody should be doing this. If you haven't found somebody, go sit by somebody. Ask the question, get an answer. Ask the same question, get an answer. Listen carefully, get an answer. Keep going, don't stop at once. You've If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. You're probably asking, finding somebody to ask that same question and answer it back. Okay, you got five seconds. Four, three, two, one. Stop. All right. You only had one thing to do was ask a question. The other person was to answer it. What did you find when you, when you answer the question, who are you? You start to tell them who you are by name. You start to tell them who you are by what you do. You start to answer the question by things that you've done and accomplished. Why is that? Because we already are programmed to believe that our identity is who we are by what we do. Yes? Did you notice that? Those of you who are listening to the answer, did you notice they're answering who you are, who are you, by what they did, but what possessions they have, but what things they've accomplished? And yet the Bible doesn't ever talk about that as our identity. But we in the world have adopted this as this is our standard for our identity. Is This is what I've accomplished. I've gone to school. I've got this degree. I've written this book. I've blah, blah, blah. I've got a car. I've bought a house. I have two houses, three, whatever. This is what we're now identifying in the society as our identity, which is not according to God's word. Amen? So we got to get back to why are we doing this? Okay, and I, I said last week, here's the thing, you're not defined by what you have or by who you are, what you've done, okay? I also said that you can be rich, you can have everything and still have a poverty mindset. Look with me in your Bibles, Luke chapter 15. This is the story of the prodigal son, okay? <clears throat> Remember the story? One son wakes up one morning and says, I want to go out and, exp 
experience the world. Dad, give me everything that, that is mine. Give me all the inheritance that I have now. I don't want to wait for you to die. Give it to me now. I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to go enjoy life. The other son decides, no, I'm going to work at the farm because this is where I'm at, and I'm pretty good here. I know where I'm comfortable and where I'm safe. So now let's look at what happens when the son, the, the, the son that went and squandered all of his belongings comes back, says to God, you know, I, I've just sinned. I, I want to come back. I, wanna, I, I want my rightful place again as his son. So then the father goes and throws a party, gets a, a fatted calf, whatnot, and then the, finds the older son outside in the field, doesn't want to come in, and he's angry. So let's follow the story here, verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. Remember, I'm talking about a mindset, a poverty mindset. This, guy, this son had everything already, right? His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat. Identity, possession, right? We're identifying this mindset is about poverty. It's poverty, mindset. It's, it's, this is who I am. I never got anything from you, yet I've got the whole farm, but I never got anything from you. <clears throat> but when his son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him, and he, said, and, and he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. He's missed that. This is what a poverty mindset. You miss the fact that, guess what? This is all yours in, in the first place. And yet we, we take, no, God, I don't have this. I don't have this. Why does that person have this? Why does that person have this? And yet God is telling us, everything that I have prepared for you is for you. Remember I said last week, God's not going to give you a baked cake. Remember, here's, who remembers hearing that? He's going to give you the ingredients to bake a cake. He, you're going to have to find some of those other missing ingredients to bake that cake that you want. It's not going to just drop a cake on you and say, hey, guess what? I've never heard that happening. Right? Even with Deborah's, she had to go and ask people and talk to people, you know, guess what? This is where I'm at. Does God give you the revelation to, to sow into my need here? So God's never going to drop this cake on you. He's going to give you the ability to find those ingredients to make what it is that is for you. Okay? And again, we're, we're talking about the son that, that was living on the farm already, had the good upbringing, just knew how to respect and honor his father, had a sustainable business for his future and his family, and yet he had this mindset, well, you never gave this to me. Wow. I, I, I read this with this mindset of, wow, we look at this as, you know, the father who runs after us. No, I look at this as this son had this poverty mindset that kept him held back in all he was to be while he had the farm. He already had the farm, but yet he had this mindset that he still didn't have enough. At its core, the poverty mindset is an identity issue. And this identity starts again at the thought level. So I've got these two trees behind me, okay, to kind of help you explain how scientists are now able to map out our thoughts and the energy that happens that's produced in our minds when we begin to think, okay? Remember, remember I said your brain is separate from your mind. Your mind actually con controls your brain. The thoughts that you think then send signals. Okay, picture this as, as being like neutrons and, and, and nerve cells, neurons. Neurons and nerve cells 
Same thing on this side, okay? And I'll explain why the difference. And so as they were able to map out, they can actually see the activity that's happening when the person's thinking, okay? Person's thinking good thoughts, person's thinking healthy thoughts, they can see this, wow, it's just lighting up all over the place. Person is stressed out, there's thinking happening there. But what they're seeing is just really harsh uh, pictures of, of what the electrical energy looks like. It doesn't branch out, it's just really ingrained and it's, it's shortened, it's just... And so they're, they're able to map this out now. And I think it's interesting how God's word says something and then thousands of years later, we're able to prove that what he said was right. Just by what we're coming up in science, right? So here's the thing. The green one, this one on, on my left, this is how we are wired. This is how God wired us, out of love. Remember I said this is the love zone. This one, on the other hand, is when we don't act and think out of love. We think out of, what's the opposite of love? Fear. Fear is the opposite of love, not hate, fear. And so this is the one that, that works when there's stress, when there's fear. Think about that, okay? You're walking down the, the road and you're going to cross and somebody, somebody comes across and almost hits you. What kicks in? Yet you just, you just had a great service here on Sunday, right? You had a great service. Man, that message was awesome, blah, blah, blah. I'm crossing the street in front of the church and this car comes whizzing by from McDonald's and almost hits me. What kicks in? Fear. No, here's the thing. Your brain naturally knows what to do from this where you're always in constant state of happiness and everything is cool. But all of a sudden, fear does kick in, okay? It's a natural body response. That's the thing. Your body will naturally go into this mode when you encounter something that isn't normal, isn't at a place of peace. Now, here's the thing. What does your body do? It reacts in fear. Yes, but it'll normalize to bring you back to where? Over here. Now, keep stressing your life. Oh, yeah. Now I've got these bills to come in. I just, I can't stand working with that person. Where are you operating from now? Constantly. Out of this, out of this zone, this fear zone. When you constantly put yourself in a place where, you know, th those, um, those times when you, when you, respond where the adrenaline rush kicks in, that's not supposed to be a normal thing. That is supposed to be a, a suddenly. It happened because you were responding to that car that almost hit you. But when, you, when your body is always in this constant state of this fear where you're constantly producing a hormone to try and put you back into the normal state, which is the love zone, this is, this is, this is what causes the toxicity in your body. And they're able to find this out, that people who are so stressed out, they measure all the blood chemicals, the hormones, right? Here, in this love zone, I'm producing the endorphins, the dopamines. I feel great. La, la, la. I love Jesus. Right? Over here, what am I producing? Adrenaline. Epinephrine. Cortisol. And what do we know what cortisol does? Releases blood sugar in your system to try to get you back to that state of, right? And we know what blood sugar, what, when you're craving blood sugar, when you're craving a chocolate bar, you're craving sweets, you're trying to get yourself into this happy place. Well, we already know that, right? So here's the thing. So this cortisol is kicking in 
And it causes your body to go into stress mode, which is not how we were wired for. We were wired for love, not for fear. And so they're able to map this out. And it's like, wow, I'm reading all the studies on, on neuroplasticity and how the brain can actually change. We were never meant to stay in this state for long. But here's the thing. Man can adapt to anything. I was born in a tropical country, and I am here for 50 years. I can adapt. No, seriously, right? So it's proven that you can adapt to any, any environment. But is that where God wants us? I'm trying to deal with our thinking here. Because we've adapted. Oh, you know, here's another giving message. Oh, you know, well, geez, they're asking for more money. You see how we adapt? And yet we don't realize that this is not the place where we're supposed to be. We are supposed to operate out of this zone. But we get to this place and now all of a sudden, this is normal? You're stressed out. You don't know where your next dollar is going to come from. And yeah, I love Jesus. We're not, nor we're, this is not our normal place. This is a toxic place because it is now affecting our thoughts, which now affects our behaviors. Yes? Remember how I said your thoughts, your mindsets that you are now adopting as normal become how you behave. Oh, gosh, no, another giving message. Think about that. That's where that's coming from when you, like, shy away because now Joel's giving another giving message. Lewis is asking for a moment. The missions need. That's, that's what's happened here. We become so toxic about this that we make this our normal. When that, that's not normal. Normal is, yay, we get an opportunity. I get an opportunity to sow. That is the mindset that out of, out of the love zone, I get an opportunity. Out of the fear zone, I have to give? Are you kidding me? No, think about that. That is a mindset that has to be broken to bring it back into this, this zone that we're, where God wired us for love and generosity. Okay? I'm all over the place now. Okay? So here's the thing. We do. We operate in both, actually. But Paul always wants us to, or Christ and the Apostle Paul as well, wants us to remember that everything's been done for us already. I used to look, look at those verses where, you know, yeah, people would, would, would name and claim a verse. And I'm thinking, well, what are you doing? And I would read that verse and I, th and, and, and I forget that God's done it all already. When that verse is spoken, when that verse is, is read and meditated upon, it's, okay, God, this is your promise. How do I get to that place that it's revealed to me? How do I get that place so that I can actually claim that? I'm not claiming it before it's there. It's already been done. That's how we have to look at when, 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 when we read verses that say, well, God's going to give. You give and God gives. Well, he's already given. Don't. Don't come to a prayer saying, God, I, I, I need, he's already given it to you. You've got to figure out how to get to that place where you can receive what he's already given. I'm getting excited because I'm really hot and sweaty up here. But this is, this is what it is because honestly, I used to look and think about these people like this. Well, you're just naming that. You, you don't really understand what that verse is saying. But if you really understand it, you understand then that it's already been done. You just got to go figure out how to possess what's already been prepared for you. Amen? Oh, yeah, okay. I convinced some of you. Okay? So here's the thing. Remember the brain is neuroplastic. It, it's always changing according to your environment, according to the choices that we make. 
Here's the thing. Just thinking about something, anything, whatever you're thinking about right now, is already causing your brain to change through the energy of those thoughts that's, that's going across your mind. Some of you have negative thoughts right now, I can tell. This is where you're operating right now. This is what you're thinking, okay? Some of you have positive thoughts that you're thinking about, and guess what? It's beginning to change. And what happens? How does the brain respond? Releases dopamine or releases the cortisol and stress hormones. Think about that. Your thinking is actually determining what's releasing in your body. And we wonder why people are sick. You wonder. I mean, you ever hear of people that just, you know, I can't stand my workplace. Every time I drive by there, I just get heart pain or chest pain. You ever been there? You ever have a job like that where, man, I don't even want to go to work because I know this person's going to be on my case tomorrow, right? And so it gets to the point where you even have to go see a doctor. There's something wrong with me because I get to this place where I, I'm either shaking, I'm getting heart palpitations, right? And the doctor checks you and says, there's nothing wrong. And you hate that answer because you were hoping they would have found something. But here's the thing. Then one day you realize, I don't need this job. I'm going to quit. And all of a sudden, all those symptoms what? Bye-bye. How is that that you were able to get healing without having to get any medication? Because the brain is neuroplastic. You're functioning out of this, oh, God, I can't, I can't, I can't do this job. It's so stressful. They hate me. I, I can't do anything right. To finally, I'm not going to do this job. I'm going to find another job where I can actually breathe. And guess what? <sighs> I'm living in a place that's peaceful again. Are you following me on this? You see where, where, where our thinking gets so controlled, and then it starts to come out in our behavior, which now is determining how we're acting because it started off with the thoughts in our head. Okay? Again, our thoughts can either be positive or negative. Again, I... I Operating from the fear zone. I never have enough. I just get by. How can I give when I barely make enough to support myself? What about my future retirement? Who's going to, you know, look after me? Get back in that love zone. God says he's going to take care of you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's not just going to watch you get old. He's going to equip you for the future, for whatever he has for you. Amen? Right? How about this? Again, we can't control our, our, everything that happens in life, but we can control our responses, our choices of how we respond. Yes, yes. Remember in high school when you'd, you'd go into an exam, boy, I'm just going to fail this exam. And what happened when you said that? You failed, right? Oh, yeah, some of you, yeah, I surprised myself. I actually passed. But if you had spoken yourself positively and said, you know what, I'm going to go in this. And here's the thing. When you're in this stressed situation and it's stress overload, you can look at it in that way. Oh, boy, I'm just going to fail. How about this? You want to go into that love zone? I'm going to go in this. I'm going to give it my best. You see how you change your thinking, right? No matter what happens, I've given it my best. Automatically, just saying those words to yourself, just thinking positively about going into an exam that you might not be comfortable about writing or you haven't studied well enough or whatever, just the fact that you changed your thinking 
automatically releases something through your body that calms you down. Here on this side, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to fail. I'm, I don't even know if I'm, I'm going to make it through question number one. All you're doing is releasing that cortisol, that stress hormone that continually gets you just nervous about everything. What good is that? Either way, you still have to go through the exam. I'd rather go through it calm. Is this making sense for you guys? I mean, when I, when I read this stuff, it just I love it because my background is science. I'm like, this is amazing. It's already proving what God already knew thousands of years ago. We just look at it and we think, oh, yeah, that's what his word says, but we don't have any proof. They're coming up with proof that this is exactly what God has designed for us. Amen? All right. Uh, okay, here's another thing. They found out that stem cells in the adult brain, you know what a stem cell is? It's one of those, those original cells in your body that can morph into, you need a, you know, a leg, an arm, a heart, or a liver, whatever. It, it can morph into whatever the body needs. Well, the brain actually has stem cells that stay in the brain. Why? Because you're always stressed out. You're killing those neurons. And so the stem cells in your brain that God has placed, this is amazing what God does. He places these stem cells in your brain that stay in your brain. They never move around to try to produce and repair your liver or your kidney or your lung. It stays in your brain because of all the stress that's happening, those neurons are dying. They, it creates new neurons constantly. Why? Because God wants to get you back into this love zone where you're at peace. Everything is healthy. You love God. You love people. You love to give. No, we stay in this zone and we're killing. We're, truly, you're getting brain damage is what's happening. Your brain is, yeah, I read God's word. God loves me. God has everything for me. You know, how can I give? You see what you're doing? That's called brain damage. They're opposing each other. And so what happens to those neurons is they don't know what to do. Am I healthy? Am I unhealthy? And so they're firing like crazy. And so they, they literally short-circuit each other. And so what these stem cells do is they continue to produce more neurons just for your brain so that it can get you back to this place where you're healthy. That's our God. Are you impressed? I can't do magic tricks or card tricks. I just told you what God did. You should be impressed. That's impressive, right? Like, we abuse our minds and our brains, and God says, no, I'm going to put stem cells in your head to continue to grow new neurons so you're firing them properly and thinking my way and doing it my way and not doing it your way, which is causing you to die. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I read this last week. We're going to go again. I'm going to go over. These guys are going to scream at me. I call heaven and earth <coughs> to witness against you today that I have set before you life. Look at this. Life and death. Now what does he say? Therefore, choose life. Think about that. He said this back in Deuteronomy when he was get, just getting the, the Israelites to understand that I'm your God. I'm going to go for you, blah, blah, blah. And this verse still stands today. Choose life. Stop choosing death, which is affecting your decision making, affecting your whole body, affecting your state of mind. He's saying choose life. Oh, but I can't. You don't know what I've gone through. You're right. I don't know what you've gone through. But I do know how you can respond in future. 
I do know that when you start to think on God's word, he knows what's, what's on the other side of that. I only know what's on the other side of this, and that's why he says, I've set before you life and death. The only thing that will come out of this zone is death. Death of those neurons, death ultimately, physically. We see this in people who are sick, who have held on to, to offenses and, and, well, I was this and this happened to me when I was growing up and this person said this to me and I can't forgive that person. You see what I'm saying? It all goes back into your head and it stays there and you're, you're saying, okay, now I'm going to go, I'm going to live life. In the meantime, your, your brain is firing off all these hormones to try and get you to regulate back into the love zone, but yet it can't because you are toxic now. And we wonder, well, you know, I've been on this weight loss plan, I've been doing this and I just can't seem, you're toxic, your body can't deal with it because you're trying to change behavior when it's not behavior that needs to change. It is your thinking. I speak this over me constantly. That's my wife. Where'd that just come from? Yeah, I know. Please, can you just leave the room? Let me deal with my mind here. No, I'm serious. Why am I passionate about this? Because I see what I do. I see what happens when my behavior that must have started from my thinking. So I'm sharing this with you because I want you all to be healthy. I want us to be healthy givers in this church. Not stingy and I, well, they, that's all they ask for. No, this is what God has put in each one of us. Amen. Okay, so let's read some of these verses that, that, that God tells us. Again, our identity, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We read that and we think, wow, that's great. I love that. But yet we're still here. You see what I just did? I moved out of the, therefore, if anyone is, new, is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And yet I'm trying to operate my life out of here. I'm wondering why nothing is new. Because I don't really believe that verse. Do you see what I'm doing? Okay, let's try another one. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I love this verse. A people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I read that, but I'm, from, I'm, I'm reading it from here. And I'm wondering why, oh, I just feel like a slug. I can't, just, I can't seem to do anything right. How can I even represent Jesus Christ? So you speak these things over yourself, and, and you read the word of God, but yet you're operating from this side. Are you following me? One more verse, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I love this. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And yet we live our life on this side. You see what we're doing? This is why, what I call brain damage. Because we read these verses, think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we try to live it out of here. Right? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I can't do anything right. I got to hammer this because I want you to see how you take the word of God, you read it, but do you really believe it if you are operating out of this zone? Yes. How can you really believe it if you're operating out of this zone? 
get yourself back in the zone and meditate on the word that it's already been done. Okay? Okay. I love these identity verses. It tells me who I am, but yet I just proved to you. It tells who you are, but you're operating out of there. Now I'm going to do some, some financial verses. Here we go. Psalm 23, verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah, you just threw me over here. You're going to get this, okay? Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. What a promise. Oh, I don't know if I can do that, God. You see what you did? Automatically, when it's giving, we just tense right up. Put away that pocketbook. Put away that. Oh, yeah. Have lunch, but don't put anything in that offering for the mission trip. Come on. That's not what this verse says. Right? So we, we read it. We Oh, yeah. The one who waters will himself be watered, but I'm not going to give you a thing. Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply every need according to, to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Oh, I don't know, God. I don't, I don't know if you can solve this problem. I don't know if you, you know, I got to look for another. I got to. Come on, right? Luke 6.38. Given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into where? That person's lap. Because that's what we do. We look at that. Oh, yeah, so-and-so is getting blessed. Yeah, that person, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're going into retirement really well. And look at me. And God says, no, no, look at this. Give. And it will put, be put into your lap. You want it? You want it in your lap? Yes or no? Well, then give. That's what the verse is saying. I'm sorry. Oh, no. We only take things metaphorically. We don't take things literally in the Bible. Well, read and study. And you'll see that, yes, some of this stuff is literal. Some of this stuff is figurative. But there's a lot that's applicable to where we are in life today. Okay, here's the, here's the kicker. Malachi 3.10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. This is the only area in our lives where God actually says, test me in this. He doesn't say, test me in your kids. He doesn't say, test me in your future. He doesn't test me, say, test me in your health. But he says, test me in your finances. Oh, I can't do that. Test him. Do it. It's amazing. He's God saying, do this. And if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down a blessing until there is no more need. Not just test me and I'll just drop a little, you know, drop change onto you. Until there is no more need. So you keep testing and testing and testing and watch God fulfill that last line where it says, until there is no more need. Some of you are going into the cortisol area again. I can, I can see it. Right? Mm -mm. Get away from that. Get back into the love zone. Oh, yes, I've got to figure out how. To, uh, God's already prepared it for me. I can have it. He, he's got it for me. Oh, no. Let's see the tensing going up. The jaws. I can see the, the muscles just popping out of your, your, your sides here. Relax. 
Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I love verse 9 and 10, or 10 and 11. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That is our God. This is a promise. If it's a promise, take advantage of it. Right? When your kids hear you promise something, then what do they do? Oh, yeah, but you promised to take me to McDonald's. But you promised to buy me new soccer shoes. I can't play soccer, but you promised. Right? You will be enriched in every way to be what? Generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Why do we believe some of these scriptures so readily and the others we, we, we read them from the fear zone? Oh, yeah, but that, I'm not there. Well, you know what? You're right. Some of us are not there. But God, thank you for your mercy and your grace. You give me more stem cells because I'm burning out all the neurons that, that I'm not using in the proper way. Here's the thing. Either we receive his word, all of it, or we don't. Remember I said there is no gray zone. There is no this zone here between love and fear. It's one or the other. And that's what God is trying to tell us in his word. You can't try to live my word in between because sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. There is no gray zone here. There is no gray zone in between the love and the fear. It's going to operate out of one or the other. And so here's the thing. Why do you think Paul says that? I'm closing. So Philippians 4, chapter, eight, uh, chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, I love these verses. Get them in your spirit. Whatever is true, let's read this together. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what does he say? What's his next word? What is it? What is the word? Ah. He's attacking everything about our behavior by going straight to where it starts off with, which is our mind. Think. Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And what does he say? And the God of peace will be with you over here in the love zone. Hallelujah. You see, we can't do these things out of the fear zone. Because what your body's trying to do is get you to regulate and to calm down. But over here, all of a sudden, I'm thinking on these things. Peace comes over me. Yes. Contentment comes over me. Yes. Joy comes over me. I don't hear any joy in the fear zone. There's none of that. Finally, Colossians 3, 2. Set your mind on things that are above. Set your mind. Again, he's not talking about behavior. Set your thinking on things above, not on things on, on, on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. And then he says to, in verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly? I love this because he's talking about things. Set your mind on things that are above. And then he talks about these things which are really strongholds and sins. But where do they ultimately start in? Our mind, put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality starts in the mind, starts in your thinking. Any impurity starts in your thinking. Passion and lust starts in your thinking. Evil desire starts in your thinking. 
covetousness starts in your thinking. And then what does he say? It's idolatry. You've placed your thinking above God. He's called us out. That's why he said there is no gray zone. Because if you're in here, you have made an idol of those things that are in your head. Thrive instead of strive. There's my takeaway. Thrive instead of strive. Okay? Research actually shows that only 5%, get this, only 5% of genetic mutations directly cause health issues. 95% of health issues are influenced by life factors and lifestyle choices. 5% is only caused by your genes. Think about that, how many people are sick that you know of. And really only 5% of those diseases are caused by something in their genetics. 95% of all diseases have been caused by your choices. It starts with truly knowing who you are, and that you're a reflection of his image. So once you're settled in that, then follow up with that action. Once you settled in and realized, God, this is who you, you created me to be. Man, a reflection of him. That reflection means I give. That reflection means I am at a place of generosity. That's who God created us to be, first and foremost. If we look at John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's the starting point of his giving. That verse. That's our starting point. Well, we hope you got a lot out of today's sermon. If you'd like to connect with us, please feel free to check out our website at frvc.ca. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Have a great day, everyone.